everyday injustice. Too many wrongful convictions, corruption has infected the criminal justice system. Leaving too many people helpless, fighting for their lives instead of receiving justice, people suffer. Is that why they say justice is blind? Hello and welcome to the Everyday Injustice Podcast. I'm your host, David Greenwald. For the past 10 years, we've operated Vanguard Court Watches in California, including San Francisco, Sacramento, and Yolo counties. Our goal? Expose everyday court injustices, and now, more broadly, shine a spotlight on injustices in the entire criminal justice system, in the form of wrongful convictions, police and prosecutorial misconduct, and mass incarceration. This podcast hopes to take it a step further and highlight criminal justice reform on a national level. Everyday injustice. Today on Everyday Injustice, we have Mark Bookman back on our show, and we're going to be talking about the very fascinating and yet disturbing Andre Thomas case. Welcome back. Thanks again for having me. I, I hope your viewers aren't getting bored of seeing me. It's a pleasure. I'm sure not. And and this stuff is just fascinating. Um, you know, I was just rereading actually your book and skimming through some stuff and came across the Andre Thomas case, which we've covered quite a bit um, because there have been some recent developments in that case. And I have to say, this is probably the most cringeworthy one that I've ever really focused yeah. on. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, you know, the obvious physical issues are cringeworthy, but I, I don't know if there's any case maybe ever, in at least in the modern death penalty, where the intersections of, of, of severe mental illness and race uh, uh, go go together. I mean, Andre Thomas is, you know, you think of like a crossroads in like an old movie and, and Andre Thomas is standing right in the middle of these two crossroads and one of them is severe mental illness and the other one is, you know, racial discrimination. And it's just, it's remarkable. Yeah. So um, why don't we give background to the case for those who are not familiar with it? Sure. So, so Andre Thomas uh, is is has a, a lifetime of well documented mental illness, severe mental illness, uh, attempts to commit suicide, and he's constantly going in and seeking help from mental health professionals. He knows he's mentally ill. His 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 background, his family genetics on both sides uh, are also uh, have have a, a lot of severe mental illness in them. And uh, and Andre, uh, um, when he becomes a, you know a young adult, uh, um, Andre's a, a black man. He marries a white woman, which becomes important later. Um, uh, has a mixed race child. Um, gets gets more and more mentally ill. At some point, he makes a determination uh, uh, to kill his wife and his. And his mixed race child, and an, and an, and and her mixed race child from another relationship, he does it in a way that 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 telecasts his mental illness. He uses three different knives. He's trying to remove the hearts of the victims with the three different knives. It turns out he gets 
two hearts and, and one lung, which he mistook for a heart. Uh, he takes the organs home with him in his pockets. Uh, he calls his, his in-laws to say that he believes he's in hell. Um, uh, uh, he, he, and then he confesses to the police. Um, shortly after that, he leaves, a, he leaves a dollar bill on the side of his wife's body at the crime scene. So all of these are you know, obvious indicators of some pretty serious, pretty severe mental illness. Then, then uh, um, a few days after he's arrested, he's he's kind of ranting and raving and 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 following the dictates of a biblical uh, a biblical uh, sentence from Matthew. He removes one of his eyes. Um, the the prosecutor, I guess. Well, so the 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 defense attorneys did a a a, a very very poor job of capturing his mental illness. For, for weeks before the crime, he had been walking around with duct tape on his mouth. I mean, you're talking about, a, 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 you know, you're talking about the, the kind of delusions and hallucinations uh, uh, that are, that you, that you, you know, that you'll periodically see from people kind of talking to themselves in the street almost. I mean, you know, really profound. And uh, the defense attorneys do a, a, a rotten job of bringing this information to the jury. They just don't do the necessary investigation. At the same time, all that's happening. During the jury trial, um, there's a questionnaire that says, how do you feel about mixed race marriages? Because Andre kills his white wife. Four of the, th three of the jurors who make it on in one alternate all say they are opposed or strongly opposed to mixed race marriages. The defense attorneys don't ask any questions about this at all. And then the, and then, so the, the and, and there's other stuff that happens as well. There's something called a shuffle in Texas uh, where, where you walk in front of the, you walk to the jury panel. In this case, there were five or six African-American jurors in the front couple of rows, meaning that they're gonna be questioned to be on the jury. In Texas, you can ask for a shuffle. And when they do a shuffle, all the jurors get jumbled up. And when they're done this shuffle, all the black jurors are no longer in the first couple of rows. So the jury ends up all white, as are all the lawyers and the judge. And, and um, they don't ask any questions from these jurors who are opposed to mixed race marriages. As the trial is concluding, the prosecutor who has noticed, obviously, Andre Thomas has some white female friends that, 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 are, that testify on his behalf as a character witnesses, sort of. And, and uh, the prosecutor says to the jury, do you want him, do you want this guy dating your, your daughter or your wife or your granddaughter? An obvious racist kind of call. And, and, and so, you know, you've got this, like I said, severe mental illness crashing right into race discrimination and the result is a death sentence for Andre Thomas. The story is not yet over because the cringeworthy part is still to come. Um, some years after that, Andre, who is, you know, they think the prosecutor seems to think he's malingering. God only knows how he could possibly think that, you know, given his record of mental illness from, from early on. But four or five years later, Andre removes his other eye 
and you know, trigger trigger alert, I guess, for people to close their ears. After he removes his his other eye, he eats it. So now he's he's blind, and 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 he says he does this because the government was, I guess, spying on him or reading his thoughts, and and because he ate his other eyeball, now they they can't they can't get to him that way. So years go by. He's on death row. He's blind. He's in the mental health facility of death row in Texas, uh, the, the what's called the Jester Institute, uh, the Jester Institution, although they may have change that name. But that doesn't stop Texas from, you know, grinding the gears and trying to execute this guy. And uh, that's moving forward. So that's that's the background. So there's a lot to unpack here. Sure um, is. I think, um, I mean, this might be the understatement, but uh, the most ludicrous part of all this ludicrousness if that's even a word, um, is the malingering charge, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I I was just eating my eyeball to fake you out, to make you believe that I am mentally ill, but I'm just kidding, really. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the whole, the malingering charge is remarkable. And, 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 you know, it's not, you know, it's not just, that he blinded himself. His his documented record of severe mental illness is clear. He he goes to a he go two days before this happens. He turns himself basically goes to a mental health facility asking for help. But they you know rather than kind of securing him, they you know they go do their paperwork or whatever, and he just wanders off. Um, you know. There's a, a documentation from one doctor who says he is really crazy, like that kind of using that kind of casual language that 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 Andre really is. He's you know, he's in the deep end of severe mental illness. So, you know, it's one thing to say he's malingering just from blinding himself. It's another thing to ignore years of medical records that, you know, he wasn't malingering. 10 years before the crime, uh, it's just, you know, literally the prosecutor is blinding himself to the evidence. Yeah, you know, I mean, this isn't like a gray area case of, oh, okay, is this guy mentally ill? Is he competent to stand? I mean, it seems like, you know, this is like the extreme of all extreme cases and somehow this gets through the whole process. Yeah, it, and it sure has gotten through the whole process. Um, the 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 uh, the Texas courts, the, the the Fifth Circuit, the Supreme Court, um, you know, with a with a with a, a strong dissent, but nonetheless, our, our courts are just are no longer a backstop for this. Now, you know, there's still there's still important litigation left in in the sense that Andre Thomas really is not competent to be executed. Uh, and, and, and in addition to that, there, you know, there's obviously a case for clemency. And, and I, I, you know, I don't want to overestimate our, our, our courts or our clemency boards, but boy, you know, if this one doesn't fit the bill, you might as well, you might as well not even have clemency. I, I, I you know, 
no one is suggesting that Andre should be released back into the community. You know, he's going to be, he, he's, first of all, he's obviously no longer a danger to anybody except himself. And, and, you know, they're not asking for him to be released. They're asking for him to serve the rest of his life, you know, in a, in a secure mental hospital, I would imagine would be the, the appropriate result. Seems like it. Um, but how do we even get here? Because I, I mean, first of all, it seems like he shouldn't have been competent to even stand trial in the first place. Yeah. So that's, that's a, uh, uh, he, he does, he is initially found incompetent, but here's how that works in the real world. They send someone, you, and I mean, this happens all over the place. They send a, a, a mentally ill person to a mental hospital, and then they coach them for a month or two about, about, about answering questions so that you can be competent. What does the defense attorney do? What does the prosecutor do? What's the role of the judge? And they, they, they go through what's really kind of a, a teaching process. To, to, to make the guy, you know, just barely competent. And, and, um, and that's what happened in Andre Thomas's case. What they, what they, and, and I, again, I blame the defense attorneys to a large extent here. The, the prosecutor's theory is that he was high on this cough medicine, Coracidin. They're ignoring his years and years of mental illness. And I think part of the reason they get away with ignoring it is that the defense attorneys don't do the necessary investigation to bring this, you know, in front of the judge or the jury. So that's how they get around competency. Uh, they, they basically coach them to, to, to answer the questions correctly. And did the defense not put on, you know, psychiatrists to prove this guy, you know, innocent by reason of insanity? They make a minimal. They make a minimal presentation, um, and then, of course, you know, defense attorneys do this all the time. I, I, you know, rather than caring about the client, they care about themselves, and so they get up there and they explain why it was all a big strategy. You know, they're making they, they you know, they're they're not questioning these jurors about the racism because of strategy, and they're not bringing out certain evidence because of strategy. That's that's the you know. That's the classic excuse of defense attorneys who haven't really done the necessary work. And that's what happens here. And of course, the courts are looking very much the other way uh, at, at, at any kind of relief. I mean, you know, for a judge to allow this to go forward seems irresponsible. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, obviously I agree. Um, I don't have the highest regard for some judges. I, I, you know, look, the, the, the crime itself is awful, right? I mean, you're talking about a horrible crime where three people get killed, a mother and two children. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I don't take this the wrong way because I find myself using the word blinded too, too often in this, in this, in this uh, setting. But, you know, I, I, I think... When 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 a proper presentation doesn't get made, the courts and the juries can be blinded by the by the horror of the crime. Um, it doesn't take much, though, to see that when you use three knives to to remove the hearts 
of the three victims and then take the organs home in your pockets. There's something profoundly wrong with you. And, mm -hmm. and he, he, he's, he says um, he, he thought one of his, one of the, one of the victims was the antichrist. Another one was Jezebel. The third one was an evil spirit. I mean, he's not hiding his mental illness. It's there in plain sight for anybody to look. And then of course, you've got this dollar bill. He's obsessed with the eye. Uh, on the at the top of the dollar bill at the top of that pyramid, and uh, you know he's reading the Bible like a crazy person, and he's he's following the dictates of 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 Matthew's. Well, I can't remember the exact biblical phrase. Where you know if your eye bother you from right lack of righteousness or whatever, pull it out. You know it. it he's somebody that was dangerous and needed to be in a secure mental hospital for many years now. So we have a failure of the mental health system. We have a, um, ineffective uh, defense. And then let's just add in racism here. Yeah, l let me, before we get to that, let me just, I mean, it's interesting that you note the failure of the of the of the mental health system. You know, this is a guy that regularly tried to get help, just couldn't get it. I mean, I'm not talking about after the crime. For years before the crime, he just was desperate to get some help and and couldn't get it. So, all right, let's talk about the racism. I I, I don't think it's an accident. I don't think anybody would think it's an accident when the prosecutor, you know, does this shuffle, ends up with an all white jury a black defendant, and then says, you want this guy dating your daughter or your granddaughter? I mean, boy, you know, <laughs> that doesn't even qualify as code. Um, you know, and 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 I don't know what, the, the defense attorneys obviously thought that the interracial makeup of the case was significant enough to put in a questionnaire, a question in the question. And then when they get these answers, I... I uh, some of the answers are, I, I, you know, the children would be confused as to what race they're being raised in, and 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 and, and some other awful things that are that are said, uh, you know, opposing and or strongly opposing interracial marriage. They go to the trouble of putting this question into the questionnaire, then they don't even ask any questions to the jurors. I, I it, it's it's bad lawyering one hundred and one. I, I mean, I don't even, you know, some of this stuff. There is no explanation other than either they don't care or 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 who knows what. You know, interestingly enough, David, there was a uh, there was a, a an execution. I guess maybe a maybe a month ago now, or maybe just a couple of weeks ago in Texas, where where um, a, a black on white crime, and one of the lawyers wrote um, in his notes, uh, "Can you?" Can you say lynching? Can you spell lynching? And then the other lawyer puts like a little a little triangle in there and and writes justifiable above that. So the lawyers are writing in their notes. Can you spell justifiable lynching? This they're representing a, a, an African American male who's charged with killing white people, and they're talking about justifiable lynching in Texas. You know, some of this stuff is really beyond the pale. So. When did this case happen? So the, the Andre Thomas case, you know, I, I should know this since I've written 
a lot about it. And I should let your viewers know, I'm not Andre's lawyer. We, we, never, we never did get to that. I've written extensively about it in, in my book and in some essays, but I'm not his lawyer. Um, and I think it, hap it happened in the early 2000s, maybe 2005. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just estimating. I, I should know that, but somewhere in there. So, you know, I mean, there are a lot of interesting dynamics here. And of course, you know, we know that the death penalty is disproportionately sought and then imposed uh, when the victim is white, especially when, uh, you know, the perpetrator is black. Um, so there's that factor there. Um, there's the fact that uh, you had uh, jurors uh, expressing opposition to people of mixed race backgrounds marrying, which, you know, is, is uh, you know, th this day and age that, you know. Don't, like but hold on, David. Now, <laughs> let me just let me interrupt you for one second, because I, I don't want I don't want your listeners to think that this is. I, you know, I don't know if anybody our, our age thinks that 2005 is a long time ago. But but just in case there are some young viewers out there, this not only is this not ancient history in 2005, Andre Thomas's case was affirmed by the Fifth Circuit last year. And a dissenting judge quoted Loving versus Virginia about miscegenation rules and, and, and interracial marriage. Um, this is this isn't even 15 years old or 18 years old. This just happened last year. The, the, the court said this is okay last year. This is not ancient history in any way, shape, or form. I, I, I mean, this whole thing is astonishing. Um, and I think probably, I don't know if I want to say most astonishing in this case, but um. I mean, why is it that the system is reluctant to bounce the death penalty when it has so many reasons to do so that are easily justified? Yeah, this is this is the this is the human nature aspect of 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 the death penalty and of and of kind of people. I would you know unwilling to admit mistakes. I mean, so I've written a lot and I've experienced a lot. Uh, of, of prosecutors who get caught clearly kind of either, either making a big mistake or purposely hiding evidence, and they will never admit they're wrong. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, cases where, where um, someone goes to prison for years and, 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 and has a death sentence, and then you find the actual killer, right? DNA shows it's somebody else, um, and, and the prosecutor still won't admit there was a mistake. And so, you know, there's this kind of, you know, you've got this verdict and, and, and prosecutors will go to their dying breath to protect the verdict, no matter how unjust it is. And I, and I fear, this is what I fear most in this case, is that, as you say, there are so many reasons to say, okay, let's just put this guy in, in a secure facility, um, there's so many reasons to do that that I, I fear the powers that be are getting their backs up and saying, you're not going to tell us what to do, right? I, I, I mean, it's a personal issue. It doesn't, it doesn't even, it doesn't, it goes way past law or or neutrality or just 
trying to look at the case, you know, from 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 both sides and make a just decision. It's personal, and that's that's the biggest fear that the, can... that the people that have power are so unwilling to see justice in in any lens other than the way they always have. But I can see that, you know, for the prosecutor or even the trial judge, but but the appellate courts. The who do you think who do you think is sitting on the, the appellate courts? Every one of them's a former prosecutor. Uh, you know, especially in Texas. Uh I I I I bet you can, I don't even I don't know the numbers. It would be an interesting study, but I, I can't imagine that a high percentage of judges. In, tech, in, in the Texas courts are not former prosecutors. I bet they are. Be a good, be a good law review article for somebody. What, what's interesting to me is that this case goes on and there's kind of a, almost an ahistorical disconnect here because at the same time, we're seeing in the rest of the country like monumental progress in terms of death penalty. Um, last time I had you on, we talked a little bit about the Glossop case. What was really interesting, I, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but the Republican legislator who looked into this case said, you know, this is so bad that we need to pause the death penalty here because we we have no ability to know whether or not we're executing innocent people. Um, yeah. And th this is Oklahoma, probably you could argue one of the five most, if not the most conservative state in the country and a right wing legislator um, saying, hey, wait a second, you know, we got a problem here. And yet in Texas, with a case that just nobody would would bat an eye if they threw out the death penalty in this right. case. Nobody. Right. This one is so over the top that there is nobody that would say, "Oh, you're making a mistake. You're coddling this guy." Right. It's it, you know. I mean, and you're right that that you know we're seeing you know a decline in death sentences and and in and in. Um, and in executions, uh, you know, across the country, just in Pennsylvania, where I'm living, our governor just, you know, announced that he's evolved on the death penalty. He used to be for it. He's looked carefully at it. And 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 now he's he's no longer in favor of it. I, I think you're right that the closer you look at these things, the more unlikely you are to see the the the, the, the benefits to having a death penalty policy. But there is a kind of a, a crazy stick to to you know, and like I said, it's it gets personal where people just get their backs up and they 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 feel the need to to defend themselves somehow. I I can't explain it. It's just an a total inability to say maybe we should reconsider this. Uh, there's no good. I don't have. I wish I had a good answer. I really do. Yeah, and, and this also gets back to what we were talking about last time. There just seems to be no fail-safe here that, uh, you know, you can't rely necessarily on anything uh, to be able to to come to the conclusion that, uh, you know, there's no, uh, you can't put a stop to this stuff once 
the train left the station. Yeah, there is an there is a downhill inertia to this. Um, I, you know, look, I'm still I'm still optimistic. It, 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 optimistic may be the wrong word, but Andre Thomas is he really is uh, uh, not competent to be executed. And and so you know, if truth and justice are to prevail in any way, I'm I'm hopeful about that because you know the the evidence the evidence that that he's incompetent is really very 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 strong. I'm also and you know this is easy for me to say because I'm not a Texas lawyer. I'm just optimistic that that a clemency board would see this the right way. I, I you know. I mean, escorting this blind, crazy person to the gurney, I just, it's beyond the pale to some extent. And I have to assume that that right, that 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 fairer heads are going to prevail here somehow. Uh, you know, I hope I'm not being naive. So two weeks ago, it looks like, um, you know, the judge basically um, withdrew the... Uh, warrant for execution and ordered his defense to file an argument on or before July 5th. So that, that puts it out a few months. Um, you know, I, I mean, the problem is that you're kind of relying on somebody like Greg Abbott, the governor there, um, for, for clemency petition. Um, I don't know if they're Board of Pardons can independently do it, or if they have to do it in conjunction with the governor. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm 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 not an expert on clemency down there. I wouldn't want to say. And and obviously, Governor Abbott is a, is a strong proponent of the death penalty. But that doesn't mean he can't. You know, that doesn't mean he can't see justice here. I, I, I you know. I think anyone can, and I, I'm not. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not here to trash Governor Abbott. I, I, I think that he can see it just like anyone else can see it. And and the the you know the continuation is simply that's that's to have a hearing on his on his mental illness, basically. Right. And uh and I and you know, like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic about that as well. Well, and I do think. You know, the one thing that he does have going is that this has attracted enough attention now that, you know, there's going to be some public pressure uh, to go, oh, okay, you know, we like the death penalty, but, you know, this case, yeah, you know, this is not like a gray area case. Yeah, I, I, I fear, I, I, I fear the public pressure to some extent. I just, I, you know, I, you would think that would be a good thing, but I, you know, the local prosecutors, they seem to be reveling in 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 the in the negative publicity. Uh, that, that you know, it's I mean, it's it's like our whole. This is something that I think many of us are experiencing, life as a competition, as opposed to you know, the justice system really shouldn't be a competition. But that over and over again, that's what. I think it, it breaks down to. I'm on one side, you're on the other side. Let's just see who can win. As and that's really not how it's supposed to be. And 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 I think the prosecutors, the local prosecutors, are seeing this as some kind of a competition, as opposed to what's the just thing to do under all the circumstances. 
the justice system cannot be a competition, but more and more, I feel like that's what it, it becomes. All right. Well, on that note, I think uh, I think we will wrap up. Um, you know, like I said at the outset, um, this is this is a bothersome case, and you know, and, and let me say at the end here, you know, this was this was a horrible crime. I mean, let, let's not beat any bush. I know you mentioned that earlier. I mean, this is not defending. This is not a guy that's innocent. This is not a guy that that did something that, you know, uh, we, we could argue was anything less than horrific. But, you know, the, the, the vast amount of evidence is that this guy is just was never competent, was suffering from severe mental illness from the start. And at every step of the way, the system basically failed them. Yeah, I, I, you know, we all we also need to keep in mind in most of the civilized world, he would be the maximum punishment would be life in prison. So, so, you know, this case just cries out for that kind of a just result. Not, not, not a parade down Main Street, just incarceration for the rest of his life and 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 mental health treatment and I, I you know let's just hope that that kind of justice prevails here this has been everyday injustice we've been talking with mark bookman and we've been talking about the andre thomas case and uh and the death penalty execution that has been put off now at least until july and and possibly longer depending on what happens with the hearing Join us again next time for more tales from the injustice system. Thank you to George Powell and Norman Mouse Quake Barrett for the use of our opening Everyday Injustice. You can see more of George's music at www.justiceforgeorgepowell.com. That's justiceforgeorgepowell, all one word, dot com.